Welcome to Breaking Down the Buzz, the podcast where we explore the thrilling world of tech industry leaders. From AI to the latest trends, we cut through the noise and decode the tech buzz and share our collective insights and insider knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut episode of Breaking Down the Buzz, the podcast where we unravel the intriguing stories behind the movers and the shakers of the tech industry. I'm your host, Rohana Mead, and today we have a very special guest who's not only a powerhouse in the world of technology, but also a dear friend of mine. About 10 years ago, when Synergy Technical was a fledgling consulting firm, I had the privilege of crossing paths with our guest today. Little did I know, we were about to embark on a series of unforgettable adventures, both in and out of the office. She's the Chief Information Officer of Kinsale Insurance, a tech-savvy wonder woman, and someone I've shared more firsts with than I can count. From burning the midnight oil during a legendary work all-nighter to taking the plunge in the not-so-inviting waters of the Hudson River, and yes, even earning the honorary title of last place finishers in a road race together, We've seen it all. But today, we're not here to just reminisce about our shared misadventures. We're here to tap into the wealth and knowledge of experience our guest brings to the table as she shares her wisdom on both the ever-evolving world of technology, as well as how to recruit and retain top tech talent. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, get ready to laugh and learn as we dive headfirst into the buzzing world of tech with our first guest on Breaking Down the Buzz, the fabulous Ms. Diane Schnoop. Diane, thanks for joining me. I'm so excited that you could be our first guest on the <laughs> on the buzz. <laughs> you've been, oh, it's going to sound odd, but you've been a lot of firsts in my life. <laughs> a long time. Yes, yes. Um, thank you for having me. It's a yeah. pleasure. Yes. Um, so I want to keep this pretty conversational. That'll be easy with us because we're old friends and we might possibly forget that recording is even happening, which <laughs> it, it could, could be interesting. Um, so I have a few questions to ask you. We, we certainly can go off topic for sure. Um, but first thing is, you've been in technology leadership roles for a long time. And I don't know that I ever got your backstory on, on how you got into technology or, or how you landed in this world. So can you, can you give me that? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so I was always like a like a math science nerd growing up all during school. And, um, and my dad worked with a lot of engineers. My dad's an accountant, but he worked with a bunch of engineers. And so he always like my whole life, my brother's whole life was like, you're going to be an engineer. And so we were like, oh, all right, I guess we're going to be an engineer. So <laughs> we went to Virginia Tech. We both majored in engineering. Uh, my, mine is in electrical his is a mechanical. And I, I don't think this is true. I think this is me exaggerating, but I remember feeling like if I was going to school and I wasn't going to study engineering, my dad wasn't going to pay for me to go to college. <laughs> I love that. I at one point floated the idea of being an English major and I thought my dad was going to just, you know, his head was going to explode. So, um, so it's just really that like math science aptitude in school and, and growing up and all along, like my favorite class I think I took in in high school was physics which is weird right but uh, but I, I loved it and actually my wrong with one you. of my favorite classes I took at Virginia Tech was physics for electrical engineers wow <laughs> I, 
weird, right? And I, I, that one, like I put off and put off and put off because I was scared of it and then ended up loving it. So, um, so really, I think it's, it's that, that influence of my dad, like influence of math and science teachers that I had in school that really um, propelled me into like a that engineering career. And then, um, and then my first time out of college was a little bit more, um, traditional engineering and I got interested in telecommunications and then from telecommunications went into, i um, got more involved in it. So sort of a, a little bit of a, a, a kind of a indirect path, I guess, but yeah. Where... <laughs> yeah. 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 It's interesting because women of our generation weren't necessarily encouraged to no. be engineer. <laughs> I was one of two women in electrical engineering when I was at Virginia Tech. <laughs> wow! I had a you'll you'll enjoy that. I had a I had a professor at my um my freshman like very first class like fundamentals of engineering. I was the only girl in the class, and my professor um, was really really old and kept like making these like snotty comments about how you know girls don't belong in engineering and all that kind of thing. And what was funny about it is it backfired on him, I think, because all the guys in the class sort of defended me and became like my 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 brothers and were just like this ridiculous kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was definitely like that back then. Yeah. Yeah. Times have definitely changed. So around that, you and I have both been tech leaders in Richmond, Virginia for a long time now. <laughs> like forever. Uh, and Richmond, Virginia has not historically been known for maybe embracing diversity and and more progressive ideas. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like being, you know, a, an early tech woman in Richmond? <laughs> I have my thoughts on it. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I, I mean, you're from California. I'm from Richmond, so I kind of didn't know any better. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, a little, a little, little different. But um, yeah, I would say early days, uh, that that whole like theme of, you know, college being, you know, the only one or one of one of few. Um, very was very common, and same thing in in my early career. Um, so, so I, I had a my my first job. I was um, I was getting married, and all these, you know, older guys that worked for the company were telling me that you know I was too young to get married. I was too young to get married. I was too young to get married. And I went, got married, came back, and literally my first day back in the office after my honeymoon, they were like, "When are you gonna have a kid? Did you not get any younger?" <laughs> like, why do you think this is any of your business? So um, it, it, it just was, yeah, it was different. And that was a, a small office of a, a larger company, but it was, it was definitely, um, it was definitely different. Now I would say, oh, I should know the statistics of this. Some, you know, reasonably large portion of my team is, is women, you know, and women that have, that are, you know, developers or managers and, you know, um, data people and, you know, all of those kinds of, of skills. And it's not even something like, like, I feel like I do think about it from the perspective of, I want to support and encourage women in technology, but there, it's, it's, it's much more prevalent now that you have, you know, really qualified female candidates. Yeah. It's not as noticeable anymore. It used to be that when you went to a tech conference, well, really anywhere, not just Richmond, but anywhere, you know, the great thing about being a woman in tech was that there was no line for the bathroom. Ever. <laughs> like, 
like, you know, the, the men would be queued up forever and there were no lines for the bathroom. And it, it's interesting because like when we were at the, the RBA Tech Gala, even just last week, it was amazing to see all the women that are in tech roles now that that just wasn't the case 25 years ago at all. Yeah. It's It's been really interesting. And, and what I would say is that Richmond in general has really become a, a really great tech town. And I don't think that people necessarily would have predicted that. But, you know, living and working here, it, it's a great tech town and it's a very diverse tech town, which is I agree. You know, what's interesting about that is we have a we have a pretty robust intern program. Mm-hmm. And a couple years ago, we were just starting it. It's three, three years ago. Um, we were just starting the intern program here. And um, so I was more involved in it then. And um, and so I was interviewing the intern candidates and and like every female candidate that I interviewed asked me some form of the question of, um, what kind of bias had I experienced in my career? And I was really surprised by that because I guess I had hoped that wouldn't even be on their radar by now. Right. And it, made, it made me sad that they were, you know, they're obviously asking for a reason and it's probably because they've experienced something. So I, I hope we're further along than that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But, and I want to, I want to be at a point, you know, soon, hopefully where nobody even thinks to ask that question. Right. 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 Yeah. I, I think we're further along. We're probably just not there yet. <laughs> Sadly, because every once in a while something will happen and you'll be like, really? What? Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I've known you working across several organizations, both yeah. large and small, very small <laughs> to very large. Uh, what from a from an IT perspective, can you kind of talk about what the differences are being an IT professional in a really large organization as opposed to maybe a small or mid-sized organization? Yes, definitely. So I um, personally prefer a smaller mid-sized organization. I feel like you have the opportunity to make more of a difference every day and really see the impact of your work. You know, I, I mentioned our our intern program, one of the things that I think that's cool about our intern program is that as a, as a summer intern with us, like one of our goals is that you get your code in production. So that whole release process and you see your code go into production. That's cool. I think that's pretty unusual. You know, if you were at a, a, a much larger organization, you probably wouldn't really have that opportunity to do something that that was that was meaningful like that. Um, and, I, and I feel like that's, that's true uh, within broadly within the organization, you know, large companies, I feel like the, this was not a company I was at, but a company I interviewed with one time. And, um, and the role that I was interviewing for was so narrow compared to the role that I had been doing previously. And, um, and I think that's probably more typical. There's so much more to do within a, within a narrow space so that the, the roles get more well-defined and, and tighter, whereas small companies, especially startups, you just, you just need to do everything. Whatever needs to be done, you need to, you know, you need to jump in and you need to get it done and, <laughs> and make it happen. And that gives you a lot of breadth of, of experience and opportunities to do new and different things. So I, I like that. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I've worked for really large companies and really small companies and everything in between. And it, it, you know, my first passion, as you know, has always been consulting. And when you work for a, a small 
or company, you're functioning more as a consultant to the business than if you're in a large company where you've just got this single defined role. And a small company, you do, you get to, you get, and even a midsize, you get to touch a lot more and influence a lot more. So I'm in exactly the same place. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <Yep>. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so from, from a technology standpoint, um, Again, you've been in technology for a while now. What do you think is, I, I swear I'm not calling you old. <laughs> I've been in technology for just as long. So I get it. <laughs> I get it. But what do you think the most transformative technology is that you've seen in your career? Like what changed everything? Oh my gosh. In my career, I'm a, I'm, I am a little bit older than you. And you know, think about when I first started, like my first job was a mainframe computer. <laughs> with my first computer that I had in college was a, was a, the, the screen was literally like this big. Cause it was a, it was a, it was a portable. It was like a, this massive heavy suitcase thing with this tiny little, you know, gold screen kind of thing. My first job was um, mainframe computer. You know, we had email, but it was pretty, you know, pretty rudimentary. And there was, there was, um, you know, your, your, your network bandwidth was tiny. Right. <laughs> you know, you just, you didn't have the, the access that you do, do today. So I, I remember interviewing for a job in um, in 1999 and the, the company being, being like, they weren't like, well, what do you think about this internet thing? But they were like, you know, is e-commerce a thing we need to be aware of? You know, like the, the whole, yeah. whole yeah. internet, like we didn't have that in college. I didn't have that in college. You might've had that. Like I didn't have the internet in college. You know, I, it was, it was, it was, there, there wasn't the information at your fingertips. Nobody had a yeah. phone. I think I had my first Blackberry in like the early 2000s. And that's when. And you were cool if you had a Blackberry. So cool. Yes. I remember before that having a bag phone when I was on call, you know, <laughs> so the Blackberry was awesome. And that's yeah. kind of what made like the, the senior executives in the company I was with were that, like, that's when they kind of start caring about email. Like, you know, right. before that email server went down, they could have cared less, but all of a sudden they had their Blackberry and it right. was, you know, fun. It was at their, their fingertips. So all the, all the innovation in, in that space that you just can't even imagine today living without or doing right. your job without like didn't exist. Right. right. <laughs> it was really new. So right. um, I think we've seen, we've seen a pretty, dramatic change even since you know 2000 to to today yeah it's, kids lifetimes you know you're, it's you're funny it's funny because i i read something a while ago that if people leave their house without their phone they are like 99 percent likely to go back but if you forget your wallet you'll just keep right on rolling <laughs> and i can see that yeah. And to your point, I mean, you think about, I can remember the first time as a CIO that, you know, we had Blackberries also because Blackberries, you could control the security on them. And it, yeah. from an IT perspective, it was a secure device that, that you could manage. And I can remember the first time my boss, the CEO came in and handed me his iPhone, which, you know, was probably a different size and said, make this work with our stuff. And, you know, as an IT professional, I was like, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that because I, we couldn't manage them. But you think about now all the things, uh, just 
the the consumer device moving into the IT world, how that's transformed business. I can run my whole business from this thing, yes. which is incredible. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And I think that, that youngsters coming out of school now just have no concept that, you know, we like printed things. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's so, so different paper you used to have and the <laughs> bar you remember the green bar and the dot matrix printers oh, gosh. Yeah. yes yes yeah. at least we didn't do the the um the key card things whatever that was but yes yeah my grandfather <laughs> had that long ago yeah I, I can my grandfather had those and he he, he was he kept everything and he was he, Almost could have been on hoarders. Let's put it that way. And he had these giant stacks of those punch cards in his office, and he would use them to write notes on. So everything you ever got from my grandfather was written on a punch card. Oh, that's great. Hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, so around that, in today's world, what technology is the most interesting and exciting for you now? <laughs> I am fully on the generative bandwagon. <laughs> like I'm just fascinated by it. And you know, of course we talk about the the, the benefits and the and the risks of, of of course, but I just I just think about like five years from now we're gonna look back and it's it's going to be so different than than what things are today. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really excited about the potential for that and how we can introduce it and how we can introduce it safely and, you know, all of all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think generative AI will be like the Internet was for us, where yeah. you just will never have a day that you don't use it. I mean, I can tell you that I use chat GPT almost every day, if not every day for legit, for real. Yes. Um, and am super looking forward to Microsoft Copilot, but for now I'm living in ChatGPT. It to me is is I heard someone say that you need to think of it like a really good intern. And yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah, because you know it it does really good research and it spits out really good output, but you got to fact check it and you got to you got to rework it a little bit. But it is it's like my own personal really good intern, and that's yeah. what it. I think that's a great way to describe it. And that's kind of how we're using it organizationally. We use it for, you know, research. We do use a little bit of the co-generation bit, which is which I think has a ton of potential. But, you know, if we're yeah. looking at launching a, a, a new product or want to research something, our, our underwriters are using ChatGPT to go out and, you know, pull lots of information and data and research and then, and then yeah, fact-checking it and, and making it their own. And it's so much easier to edit something than it is to create something from scratch. Yeah, you know, that that was the other quote that I saw recently was, and I don't remember who it was, I think it was a Wharton professor said, no one's ever going to start from a blank page again. Like, (laughs) that's such a game changer. I mean, it really is. Yeah, because just think about how, how much time it takes to to like wrap your head around getting started and you kind of make yourself get started and then you have to go back and edit it. So you sort of skip all of that. Yeah. It just our our whole business has been f- founded around you know a technology strategy of automation and efficiency, and I just see generative AI accelerating that that yeah. opportunity for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think definitely. 
What technology or tools are unique to the insurance industry? So you're in sort of a unique industry. Are there technologies that you use that are unique? I don't know that there are technologies and tools that are unique to the industry. I think one thing that's unique to Kinsale is the way that we leverage technology that's different than a lot of our competitors or peers in the market. So Kinsale is almost... 15-year-old company, 14-year-old company, and we um, have always had a strategy of, of leveraging technology for kind of really maximum benefit for the efficiency and automation that I mentioned earlier. And, um, and so we started out with the concept of, of building our own. So there were some early you know, purchases of, of, um, of systems and solutions, but very quickly the goal was to, to build our own so that we could really have bespoke processes and build according to the way that that we do business and it's been a huge efficiency play for us like our um our um, expense ratios are really exceptional um, compared to our competition and um and a lot of that is through technology and um we really look at where does it make sense to build and where does it make sense to buy? What's a competitive advantage and what, what isn't? Because, you know, if you spend a bunch of time building something that isn't a competitive advantage, it's, it's opportunity costs, you know? So, um, so let's do that. So our, our underwriting systems, our claims platforms are all things that we've, we've built. And, um, and we're now in the process really of, of rebuilding them, leveraging you know, cloud technologies and, and, um, and newer solutions and trying to combine them in, in more, you know, innovative ways that have probably been successful in other industries, but are things that aren't typical for our industry. Um, so it's been a, a real differentiator for us. I would think you're used, dealing with just a ton of data. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you have data scientists on your staff? Or are you? Uh, we have them within our company, so our our um, our actuarial team is is tiny but mighty, and um, and we are very much like an analytics and always have been an analytics driven company. So um, they are really able to to get in and and find data and pull pull data sets and you know run all kinds of cool analytics about the profitability of a particular product or the, you know, some, some future looking projections, like all kinds of things that they're able to do with the, the data that we collect. Um, part of our, our um, work we're doing now around moving towards a, a what I call our, our target state is to, is designed to make that access to data easier for the actuary. So I tell our chief actuary that they do a lot through heroics <laughs> and I want them to just, I want to just be able to serve that up to them so yeah. that they can spend their time doing the, the things their very big brains are, are really good yeah. at. Yeah. I would think that that's a team of folks that would really benefit from innovations in AI, you know, yes. just to be able to do predictive analytics and, and, things like that, I would think that they would be super excited about that. I don't even understand what they do. You know, they're, they're <laughs> people that are much, much smarter than me. So I don't they're, they're, uh, well, you're one of the smartest people I know. So I don't know. About that, but they, they definitely are very, very smart. And they are excited about the technology. There's some of the, the, the people that are, are, you know, playing with ChatGPT and doing some testing. We're very interested in the ability to, to put our data into a, a, a private space so that we can yeah. we can do more with Gen AI and and um, pull some insights from it. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so changing gears entirely, you're involved with several nonprofits. And I yeah. love that about you. <laughs> Our shared passions. Absolutely. Can you, are there any instances where having a tech background really has has helped you guide nonprofits like as a board member or anything like that? So I, you also are <laughs> very active in this space, I know. So I think it's interesting to me how I think a technology or a math or a science kind of person, like I think our brains just work differently. Yes, I agree. Maybe someone who's more creative and artistic. And I love that dynamic of, of both. And um, it, it, so it's really interesting to be in a, in a conversation and in a, in a board meeting or whatever and just hear someone express a point of view that is something I never considered and is really, right. you know, makes a ton of sense is really interesting. And then, you know, we maybe look at things completely differently. So that bringing different lenses to bear and, and, um, and look at different perspectives on a problem than maybe you would consider otherwise. I always think that leads to a better solution. Um, so I think just generally that's the case. Um, I was involved, I'm involved with Virginia, um, Family Lifeline, and early in my involvement with them, they were looking at doing, you know, a risk assessment and what's the impact of HIPAA and, you know, those types yeah. of things where having a technology background and some background in information security was was really helpful. Um, so I, I think I think it's just it's good to, to bring those different viewpoints into the mix. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I I will sit in board meetings with nonprofits and I'm very much wired to look at business process automation. So I'll, I'll see things happening and I'll, in my brain, I'm, I'm architecting solutions because I'm like, why are we doing this this way? You know, you know, why are all our board books on paper and, you know, <laughs> distributing them? Let's build a, a, a board portal. And, you know, I mean, stuff like that, that I, yeah. I think that just is so, innately wired in in what we do for a living and i think it brings definitely a, a different perspective yes so. you'll, you'll maybe laugh at that I was in line with two other it people at a at a winery one weekend over the summer and um and we were just looking at the inefficiencies of the, the process and we were like okay we just need to take a deep breath here but we totally wanted to reprocess, re-engineer the whole entire process and be like, you just need to do it this way. And the, yeah, I think that's, that is like an, an, an yes. Yes. yes, yes, exactly. Um, so we both have daughters that graduated recently from Virginia Tech. Yes, we do. Yes. So I can't give advice to my daughter and you probably can't give advice to your daughter, but if you were giving advice, advice to my daughter as an early career professional, what, you know, what kind of advice would you give kids coming out of school today? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm all about attitude and aptitude. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's going with a good ap attitude, be willing to, to do, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it takes, learn lots, put yourself in a position to, to be exposed to a lot of different things, volunteer for things, ask questions. Yeah, I think early in my career, I was I was I was much shyer 
and, mm. um, and, and more quiet. And I didn't want to, you know, probably didn't want to look stupid. So I didn't want to ask questions. So I just kind of try to figure things out and I probably made it harder on myself. So, you know, ask a ton of questions and, um, you know, take every opportunity that's given to you to, yeah. to do something new and different and, um, and, or learn more about whatever it is that you're, you're doing. I think if you, if you have that great attitude and you show you have an aptitude to learn, you can, you can do anything and you'll get lots of opportunities as a result of that. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's the don't be scared if somebody asks you to do something you've never done before because you can figure it out. I mean, exactly. you absolutely can figure it out. And yeah. I think your piece of advice I would give is, you know, and someone said this to me once, your job as an employee is to make your boss look good. That, that <laughs> is I mean, and so always be asking for what can I do to help you? What can I do to make your job easier and to make you shine? And a good boss will give credit back that, Absolutely. That, that they have done this. But I think that if kids go into it with a not, that's not on my job description. That's not, you know, I don't want to do that, but uh, how can I help you? I know, you know, okay. I, I, I know you need help with these three things, you know, how can I help right. you? I think it makes a huge difference. And those are the, the kids that are going right. to, end up in leadership positions. Absolutely. There's a developer on my team. He's been here for a couple years now. And when he first started, he would be the one person who was still here when I was leaving at the end of the day, kind of, kind of, because you know how it is. Like, yeah, why I'm to actually yeah. have some desk and do some work and he would be here and I would stop and, you know, chat with him and, and, and just say, you know, Hey, what, you know, what are you working on? later or whatever. And he was just like, well, I mean, I'm learning. And so I feel like I'm not as fast as I'd like to be. And so I just want to put in the extra time and, and get, you know, get more done. Like I'll never forget that about him. You know, like I was so impressed by that. So I think putting in that extra effort, putting in that extra time is, is so meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so last question, what do you like to do in your spare time? <laughs> I like to hang out with my, my female technology leader friends. <laughs> we do have quite the pack, don't we? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a great group. Um, I, we spend a lot of time in the mountains. So I, I like to do, um, I like to do a lot of hiking. Um, I like to ride my Peloton. I'm obsessed with that. I'm, I'm definitely not one of those IT people that like goes home and, you know, starts, you know, coding anymore. <laughs> right. But, um, but, you know, like to, you know, read, like to, you know, keep current on things, like to, you know, cook, eat. <laughs> so kind of, kind of, I guess, boring kind of stuff, but just, just fun. We do and really enjoy our time in the mountains. So that's a, yeah. that's a favorite thing. Yeah. Good for you. Um, well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. This was super fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you and spend time with you. So thank you. Thank you.